0: If you aren't feeling your best, which route do you normally take? Some people would keep their pain to themselves in an effort to look strong and not allowing other people to access their vulnerability. Or do you raise your hands and ask for help? Traditionally, help would come in the form of your mother, father, or grandmother. But to be honest, most of them will just tell you to deal with it because... What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But I want you to know that there are people out there who aren't your immediate family, but can be massive help. And today, I have brought on to the show One Such Human. On the podcast today, I have a very special guest. She's a coach. She's a teacher. She's an initiative pain specialist. She helps busy women with chronic pain, and she also helps them getting hope and getting and finding their freedom. She is extremely passionate about teaching women how to heal their pains via emotions. She, ladies and gentlemen, is a pain-free expert. Jana Arslot, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so, so much, TJ, for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. But first, did I pronounce your name correctly? Is it Jana? Is it Jana?
1: It's Jana. Jana.
0: Yana, it's, it's, okay.
1: it's spelled with a j but it's pronounced yana
0: okay I, I wasn't sure so everyone she's yana now yana do you think men don't feel pain why are you only helping women what's the deal with so, that
1: so so i do help men
0: okay. i do and i
1: have worked with men so it's not that i don't work with them but i niche into women the reason being is because The backing behind what I teach is the traumas that you have gone through and experienced in your life. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: myself, dealing with physical, emotional, and sexual trauma as a child has been a very different experience as a woman versus a man. And not that it's any greater or lesser, but the experience is much, much more different. So, for example, a man that particularly has gone through trauma, he may not feel as comfortable or as cohesive working with a female coach. So it's not that I've not worked with men, uh, mm-hmm. but I've niched into women specifically for that reason.
0: Okay, that sounds fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know many men who would actually go up to, you know, and just break out their emotional part in front of a woman, because normally we have this idea that, oh, you know what, probably this person would not understand me, and it's, it's easier to understand if you're out around the same gender, and which is true for a bit, but again... Appreciate what you're doing. So, um, Yana, people call you the Pain Whisperer. Why is that? Do you have any supernatural ability to whisper or take away pain into people from people's ears? You've got to tell me how you got that name and tell us a little bit about your backstory.
1: Okay, that's a really great question because uh, it started in my clinic. So I started as a clinician and I'm, I helped people do uh, physical rehab with their body. And what I noticed was, uh, you know, people would come in with this certain chronic pain and they've been, I was basically the last person they would come to see. They would just end up on my doorstep. They said, I've seen, you know, multiple people and I just don't know what to do. And of course they come to see me and I'm like, I definitely can help them. Definitely can help them mm-hmm. because it's been my own story. So they started calling me their pain whisperer because they would come in for one treatment and through a series of different questions that I would ask them through an assessment, even before they would get on the table, CJ, their pain would be a seven. And after the assessment, it would decrease by three points. Wow. So that's quite a significant drop even before any type of body work was done on the body. So rewinding to my own story. I suffered with chronic back and neck pain for 15 and a half years. And I went from clinician to clinician. I went from practitioner to practitioner only. So I would gain a tiny bit of relief, but then the pain would come back and it was very debilitating. So rewind to when I was 19 years old, I was in two major car accidents, three weeks apart from each other. And one I suffered a head injury. The other one I suffered a spinal injury. So, I did heal with conventional therapy, myelmosology, which that's what I went to school for originally, because I thought, wow, what a great modality. It, it healed my body so magnificently. So about 18 months later, after I had healed, I had no pain. I had gone to bed one day and woke up the next morning with horrific chronic pain. Now, looking back on the experience, I was in a relationship And the relationship was ending when I didn't want it to end. My heart was broken. I felt like somebody had ripped the carpet from beneath my feet and I was free falling. And at that time, I literally felt like part of my soul had died and my heart had shattered. But all the while, I pretended like everything was okay. I pretended like I was going to be able to move on in life. I pretended like my perfectly painted picture that somebody just ripped a shreds was okay. And what I didn't realize was one had to do with another. It wasn't until years later that I put these puzzle pieces together. But in the midst of that, what was happening was as I was suppressing my emotions, what was happening is it was cracking open Pandora's box because not wanting to feel emotions, pain was a decoy that surfaced so that I didn't have to physiologically think about the the emotions, right? Because who wants to feel crummy? Who wants to feel depressed? Who wants to feel like they've been Abandon, who wants to feel like they've got shame or guilt? So it's just easier to suppress and or repress it. Now, the two forms I just said suppression and repression. Repression is when something has happened so horrifically to you that you your brain has repressed it. Where suppression is, let's say you and your girlfriend or your mate, get into a fight, you have to go into work, you got to put that mask on your face and pretend that you're okay, Mm -hmm. because you can't bring personal into work. You have to suppress it. What happens is, who wants to talk about their emotions. We're getting better these days, but back then, nobody did. So fast forward to in my 30s. And that's when I really started putting the pieces of, of the puzzle together. And the more that I was working with clients, the more this is the pattern that I saw. Now, that doesn't fit every single person, right? Because there's some people who get shoulder injuries or knee injuries. I'm talking about somebody who consistently gets migraine headaches, consistently has neck pain, back pain with no explanation. And even for me, when I went to go see uh, my doctor, my doctor's like, you know, Yana, it's more than likely because of the car accidents that you've been in. And I'm like, I did not believe it because... I had such a long period of time where I didn't have pain. I had healed from those, inju- or from those car accidents and those injuries. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense to me. So on that journey, discovering that there was emotions of shame, guilt, abandonment, as I started to surface those emotions, that's when the past started to kind of hit me with you know a sack of bricks in the face, and this is what generally happens to many, many people is they have repressed memories from their childhood because from in utero, so when you're, your mom's pregnant with you, to seven, those yeah. are what we call imprinting mirrors where what you learn, what you believe, how you perceive, right? Perception is all about the, the glasses that you wear or the, the color of the lens that you have on your eyes mm-hmm. and you see what your outer world is like. Because we learn through what we see, either from our parents, our siblings, our uh, aunts, uncles, whomever has been an influence you in your life, you know, through mirror neurons. Mirror neurons in your brain are what you see. You know, when you get a baby, going ba ba ba, and they repeat you doing that. That is exactly how you learn growing up. So your imprinting years, zero to seven, is where you learn those fundamental basics in your life, and they carry with you all the way into your adulthood. But also in those imprinting years, if you have such traumatic uh, trauma that has happened to you. Now, it doesn't always have to happen as a child. Sometimes it can happen as a teenager. Sometimes there's domestic abuse and you have that type of trauma. You still carry it with you. And the more that you suppress and repress, right, and you pretend like you're okay. Or, for example, I've worked with some clients that decide that drinking was the best way of dealing with it or eating, right, overeating Mm -hmm. or... Uh, For myself, I also had a 12-year bout of an eating disorder. And that was a form of control for me and controlling my emotions. But at the time, I had no clue. It was just about getting thinner and making myself more perfect, which there is no, I don't want to say that there's no such thing, but absolutely. Perfection is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. So as I started working through those emotions, the pain dissipated For me, becoming my own pain whisperer. That's why I talk to my clients. I'm not their pain whisperer. They become their own pain whisperer, working through their emotions, extinguishing their pain, gaining the freedom of their body so that they can go live the life that they want.
0: Wow, that is powerful. Um, You touched on so many things there, and I'm happy that um, it's such a multifactorial thing because I also know that it is extremely important like you said the imprinting years zero to seven zero to eight these are the times where you're building or deeply rooting memories in your subconscious and as you mentioned correctly you know your your the way your father behaves or the way you're you're seeing your grandparents talk to someone that's the kind of things that you will start picking up and that will shape ultimately shape your perception of reality in this three-dimensional reality at least that we're living in and then you, you grew up and 25 years later and you're like, oh, why can't I just like trust my friend or my partner? And you don't know, but it comes deep down from those specific years where you were probably not um, being shown a better picture of the world. And you were like always scared in your heart and you're always like you can't trust people because what you saw is like other people weren't trusting others, right? That's right. So I'm so happy that you touched on that. And when I look at my own stuff, like growing up, I would, I would fall, I would hurt myself. Um, you know, there were so many people having breakups um, around me when I was young. And most of the classical advice was to stop complaining and get on with it. Because sometimes our, and it doesn't make sense because, you know, in our society, we're encouraged to should not talk about the pain, whether it be it, um, a psychological pain, physiological pain—if it be um, sexual abuse or whatsoever—and keep it to ourselves. And like you mentioned, the word which fits perfectly: suppress our pain. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Eastern modalities, you look at Taoism, and you look at Buddhism, and you look at all these, um, especially the um, acupuncture and things like that. You'd see that every emotion is correlated with either an organ or either a center of the meridian and this is um, at least my perspective on it that every time you you're sad you're upset you're angry you're jealous you're frustrated and the more you keep reminding yourself that hey this is what I'm going through oh how are you today i'm i'm upset how are you today i'm sad and then these things like mirror neurons as well like your normal neurons will always keep wiring and keep firing and build this neuro a neuro connection which gets so stronger that it becomes diff- as you age it becomes more difficult to break that pattern right because this is just so deeply rooted in front of you but then how do you think like if so if we in an ideal world we should talk about our emotions and should talk about feelings and we have this whole stereotypical thing that you know men are not going to talk about their emotions because they're going to feel weak or you know they're going to be uh judged wrongly um how do you think in this new world that we we're looking at how should people like not suppress their pain should they just have an accountability partner talk to someone right away or um what would you tell to young people right now who are probably you know in this whole mess of like instagram twitter um tiktok feeling oh, yeah. a lot of pain and jealousy but you know, at the same time, they're just don't want to tell it to anyone. Because, again, people will just say, you know, stop doing that or whatever, instead of asking them to kind of go on with their emotions, and then getting to the deep root of it. Maybe it's a self confidence issue, maybe it's something else. So what do you think is like one of the better strategies to tackle this problem?
1: This is a loaded question, but it's a really, really good question. So first and foremost, I love the fact that you had said an accountability buddy. So that is a great idea, but more or less, I would be looking for somebody who you, you know you're really, really close with and that you know that you can open your heart and your soul to. Because ultimately, one of the biggest things that a chronic pain sufferer goes through is not feeling safe. And when you do not feel safe, it greatly affects your nervous system. One of the things that I had to do is rewire my brain to make sure that I was feeling safe and that I wasn't on that hamster wheel of those go-to emotions. Basically, I had been habitually addicted to feeling anger, feeling rage, feeling shame, not knowing why, right? but knowing that I felt them on a day-to-day basis. And then every single day, the acts that I would do, whether I'm on my phone and I'm scrolling through, right? So if you're an individual, and I will tell you right now, you are not going to find your answers on social media. What's going to happen is it's going to exacerbate the emotions that you already feel. So if you're doing comparinitis, oh, look at how great his hair is. I wish my hair wasn't falling out. Because this is what, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes a male would say or for a female oh my goodness look how great her body looks!" right so you're comparing yourself Mm -hmm. and you're thinking this person has such an amazing life and then you're at the same time picking apart yourself so first and foremost if you have somebody that you feel safe and that you can confide in absolutely that is a great resource and starting to talk about ultimately how you feel without guards up because if you have the guards up I can have a conversation with you and dance around the fire but if I'm not going to walk into the fire and feel what it's like to be lit up inside then it's not going to work. So that that is a great question for having somebody that you would trust and that you can go to. But for the individuals who do not have those individual people Mm -hmm. the next great resource is journaling. Now, I have clients that look at me and basically say, Yana, I would much rather chew you on glass than write in a journal. But I will tell you right now, when you are writing in a journal, the psychological act of journaling extracts it from the brain out through the hand. And there is a major physiological release when you do this. And if you're a person that's afraid of somebody getting a hold of your journal, then what you can always do is go outside, not in your house, go outside, put it in a pan, light it on fire, and, exp- and, and, and burn it. Do okay. not do not do this in your house. We I've heard of people doing it in their house and please don't do it in your house. So yeah, that's a fair warning. Yes, please and thank you. People are like, oh, I'll just burn it in my sink. No, don't burn it in your sink. Mm. So journaling is a next form that I, I would suggest using because journaling out and not just words, write pictures, go back to your basics, your fundamental basics as a human being. And in the inner part of your child, of you, that wants to express. Because that's that's the biggest issue, is that you're not expressing, right? You're suppressing. Mm-hmm. And there's another resource that I want to give people. Uh, it is called Cracking the Pain Code. Mm-hmm. And I want to walk you through this a little bit, so people understand part Easy. of their physiological pain in conjunction with their emotion. So... Cracking the pain code is on my website, uh, www.painfreedommethod.com. It's mm-hmm. right there when you open it up. Download it. It's yours for free. Now, this isn't a, uh, a, a, a session where you're going to do this in five minutes. Some people get it mm-hmm. right off the bat and other people, it, it takes a while to sit on it. So it is okay. Give yourself permission to not fast forward through this experiment with yourself. So one of the first questions that you ask yourself is, how does this physiological pain make me feel emotionally? Now, that may be two emotions, three emotions, it might be five emotions, right? So you got to ask yourself how this pain is physiologically making you feel in in emotional field. So maybe you're getting shame, guilt, rage, anger, Uh, you feel unsafe, write those emotions down. And then the next step is asking yourself then is assessing where in my life right now am I feeling these emotions, Mm -hmm. right? Am I feeling it in my relationship? Am I feeling insecure, unsafe at work? Do I feel like I'm going to lose my job, right? Ask yourself where you're Mm -hmm. feeling those emotions and write down everything, ladies and gentlemen, everything. And then third is asking yourself, when do you remember the first time you ever felt those emotions? This is where it gets a little bit challenging sometimes, because some people may not remember. So my suggestion for you, let's talk to our right side of our brains. Right side of our brains is creativity, story, intuition, that knowing. Left is when you analyze stats, give me proof. When you ask yourself that question, your first response that comes into your brain, write it down. Don't allow the left side of the brain to start questioning it. Just write it down. Because then once you see the pieces of the puzzle come together, you'll understand why that was your first response. Because it's generally always true when it's your first response. When you start second guessing it, that's generally incorrect. So again, first you ask your pain how it makes you feel emotionally. Second, Then you are going to ask where in your life you feel those same emotions. And then third, when do you first remember making those emotions? The whole reason why you do this assessment is because it teaches you why you're having the pain to begin with and what your pain is trying to tell you. So if you are a chronic pain sufferer, once again, that is not just, oh, I injured my shoulder, Mm -hmm. somebody who has had chronic pain for a very long time, these are the people that I'm talking to. And what happens is, is as you start talking about those emotions, as you start working through the, as those emotions start surfacing and you realize, okay, this is real. It's not been in my head. I do remember some of these memories. And the other thing is too, is it's not about going back and reliving the memory. It is not about going back and reliving Mm -hmm. the memory because your brain, your body and your nervous system. So our wonderful 10th cranial nerve, the Vegas nerve that innovates every single nerve in the body does not know any different from right now, 2021 versus 1984. And the more you allow your brain to relive that experience going over in your brain over and over and over again, the more you activate it in your body. So I'm just asking you to go back to the emotion, which is the residue from the experience that you had given you as a child, a teenager, whatever your timeline is.
0: Thank you for sharing that, and I hope everyone uh, is taking a bit of a notes because all that Yana just said right now is it makes sense. It's so powerful, mm-hmm. and it will lead you to your own journey of self-discovery of why you are suffering, even if you're not suffering in the current moment. Why is something not going right in your life? And this can extend more than just pain. It could extend to your, um, you know, how you're behaving as a person. Your um, psychometrics, everything, basically. Everything. And um, when you spoke about that, Jana, I had like two thoughts that were running through my head. One thing was that we you mentioned in the beginning that a lot of people don't want to be upset, a lot of people don't want to be sad, and a lot of people don't want to be angry. But then what I see, maybe maybe just from my observation that people do not want to have those kind of emotions, but they are still addicted the amount of energy that there, as you mentioned we have the autonomic nervous system which has two branches one is the sympathetic nervous system and one is the parasympathetic which is where we would probably want to live most of our lives in because that ladies yes. and gentlemen is the one that is used for relaxation and digesting and just all the good stuff but then you have your sympathetic nervous system which also gets activated from some of the emotional centers of your brain like the amygdala and this happens due to some kind of fear that you had in the past some kind of uh, pain that you've experienced and that pain was so real that this is why this is why yana just said if you're going to the past just go for a moment and come back don't live there because your sympathetic nervous system will be activated and one of the things i mean it's not like sympathetic nervous system is bad or something but one of the other things that sympathetic nervous system does for you is that it upregulates stress hormones like cortisol, and what one function of cortisol is that it gives a person a large amount of energy. And now, traditionally, this energy would be used to, like, if you were in a stressed out situation, perhaps um, running from a tiger, or you know, just running home when something is chasing you. You would require all of these this high amount of energy but in our lives these days we are constantly being stressed it could be someone who's um you know you could be stressed out in the traffic maybe to pay your bills maybe you're you have a deadline an assignment and all of these things increase cortisol slowly and slowly and slowly in your body which we also call as acute cortisol release but then when combined with our stressful lifestyles this thing can become more into the chronic part and when it gets chronic, you kind, I believe that people are kind of getting addicted to the same amount of energy that mm. uh, the sympathetic nervous system offers. And then people are just, you know, you have a person who's feeling upset. And maybe one day this person might not feel upset, but they don't really know how to regulate that energy in their body. And um, now they start feeling about being upset. I mean, I have been in this part of my life where I was, I thought like, stress is right is required to you know just perform better at sports or you know just finish that book and you know the more you put yourself into this pain hole <laughs> that says okay you know what you don't have time and you have to do this and you have to do that all that thing wrecks up your nervous system but I want people to know that although in the moment you might feel like this is the right thing to do but the more relaxed you are that's going to have like a multi-step effect in your future and how you calm down how you relax and then one of the other things that came to my mind was about awareness because when you ask people these three steps when you're asking when you're asking the questions and you're assessing yourself and so on do people need to have a certain amount of self-awareness because you have people some people are on the opposite ends of the spectrum and some people like you know who are not really aware of themselves aware of their emotions aware of their body and they try this exercise it's very difficult for them to get onto that awareness point so do you have any tricks or hacks or anything that can let them be more aware of themselves in a way for people who are not very in touch with themselves
1: that's a great question. So, for individuals who are not really connected emotionally and and really have that plug into self-awareness, one of the biggest steps is becoming aware how your physiological body is feeling. And I'm really glad that you brought up you brought up about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic mode because it is. It really becomes addictive when your body's in fight and flight all the time because you think that fight and flight is the ultimate part of performance and it is not. That was one of the reasons why it became so corrosive to me. Uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, the use of cortisol in your body, you need it to wake up, you need it to go to sleep, you need it for um, regulation of temperature in the body, it's used, it's a great hormone. But when you are in fight and flight all the time, you become numb in the body is basically where we're going down the road. And the pain, if you want to say, is trying to to speak to you. It's just speaking a different language. And that language is an emotional language. And until you become tuned into that emotional language, you then become free from the physiological pain. Think about a person who is trying to get something done very quickly. You feel the tension in your neck and in your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And then you throughout your whole entire body where if you just stop, I I call it my six-minute pause. I teach my clients to do six-minute pauses during the day, once midday and one before you go to bed where they come into their body, your physiological body, and, and feel your body. How does my neck feel? How does my back feel? Bring your presence into the now and into your body. So if you're a person that is not plugged into awareness, one of the very first steps you can do is just sit And I I joke about this because I really had to teach myself to sit and watch the paint dry on the wall because I was a person who had to be on my phone, had to be doing this, Mm -hmm. had to be doing that, had to be producing, had to be, you don't have to be doing anything. You're allowed to just be. That's part of, that's part of our soul's journey. So becoming aware of how you are physiologically in the body and how it feels in that present moment, that's the, that is one of the biggest steps that you could take becoming aware.
0: Can you use something like a body scan exercise to do something like that?
1: It's very similar to that. So body scan okay. exercise you so part of the pausing is breathing. So breathing in through the nose for 4 and then out through the nose for 8. Cuz that's the other thing too as a chronic pain sufferer we tend to mouth breathe and mm-hmm. I I'm not going to go down that road. That could be a whole other podcast based on yeah. What ha- physiologically happens to the body when you just mouth breathe, it increases your pain dramatically. Uh, so you can do the breathing, you, you bring yourself into it, it brings you into a calm state very quickly. And then what happens is, is you just walk yourself through, starting from the top of the head, and then scanning yourself down. How does how does my scalp feel? How does my eyes feel? How does behind my ears feel? And then go to your throat. And then your shoulders. Into the heart. How does my pec muscles feel? Into the rib cage. Because the other thing is too, what a lot of clients don't realize is when you're not breathing, when we're holding our breath, you're constricting that diaphragm because you're just squeezing. So you're preventing blood flow to the mm-hmm. muscles, right? And then you're seizing your muscles, which is, is exacerbating everything. So then there you go through your, your pelvic area, down your legs, your knees, feet. And then you bring yourself. All the while, you're still breathing in for four, out for eight, and then coming back up the toes. And what you'll notice is, as you come back the toes, the knees, the hips, as you come back up, the body feels very different.
0: And um, is this one of the best breathing forms you've found, or breathing techniques? In for four and exhale for eight. For some, this kind of awareness.
1: Absolutely. There's quite a few that I do. Uh, I teach one called the four second freedom breath. So somebody is in a moment where they're at work, and they feel like their body's going to fight and flight. There is the four four second freedom breath where I have them, you would breathe in for four, but you would use your so your hands, your meridians. So you've Mm -hmm. talked about meridians. And each finger represents a different meridian. So you tap one, two, three, four for breathing in, then you hold for four, exhale. But on your exhale, instead of going out of your nose, you go out of your mouth,
0: <sighs> Okay.
1: fogging a mirror. So that's another yeah. technique that I've taught as well. And in that technique, I teach you diaphragmic breathing, where you you take the lower lobes of the lungs from your diaphragm you really expand through the rib cage. Mm. In seconds, it decreases your fight and flight response.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that was going through my head when you were um, especially you mentioned about the meridians um, was most of, you know, if we're we're out and we have this fight or flight mode activated, it is coming from some sort of stress, whether it be psychological, physiological, or some kind of an emotional baggage that you're carrying, especially in that day or something that has reminded you of uh, this emotion. And these are, these emotions come from a very primitive part of the brain, right? You have the emotional centers of the brain. And what happens is there's, there are different, when you look at neuroscience, there are different parts of the brain. But one thing that stands out is your PFC or your prefrontal cortex. And your prefrontal cortex is the one which is responsible for logic and, you know, um, Um, let's stick to because there are so many things but let's stick to logic but every time you every time you um let's say you're you're counting something so it's like one two three four and then you're using your hands you're using all of your mental energy to be in the moment at that point which Mm -hmm. is also accompanied by the breath because that is extremely powerful and just the near fact of like counting and just doing something logical Mm -hmm. is going to shift your awareness from like let's say one of the emotional centers of the brain to what is present here and now and Mm -hmm. the more you get in the habit of activating that prefrontal cortex the more you will start understanding that you know you're maybe upset about something that happened 10 years ago and right now like you know you're just in a better place and you're just reliving an old memory but you can't access that until you're in the present so I love that you said that you know i love your technique you just like look at the meridians and then you're you're activating both of these things and um for someone who's listening we speak i mean yana and me were speaking about breath work because breath work is extremely extreme and we're not talking about going to the mountain and like doing some yoga breath works and stuff like that just some easy things because like she mentioned mouth breathing is going to increase your pain it it will increase your sympathetic dominance because you have like these barrel receptors in your chest and the more you mouth breathe they get activated and ah, all of those kind of things but then yana you look at when you look at pain right now if if we speak to someone about pain they they probably think okay maybe it is like falling down from stairs which is also one of the biggest reasons why elderly people get hurt is they just mm-hmm. fall and they break a hip and things like that so there is so many areas of pain. There is the nociceptive pain, which happens when you know when you have your tissues or something is going wrong over there. Then you have the neuropathic pain. You have neuroplastic pain, and there are just so many of these different terminologies. Now, how does a person, a uh, a normal person, like navigate through this? Like, how do they know which pain are they going through, or? Does the traditional medical system do it right when they classify the pain into oh you have this but you don't have this and there's no inter interconnections or you have something else like what's your take on different kinds of pain? Do you look at it in a different way or how does that?
1: That great question. So the way I look at it is going back to cracking the pain code. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you're an individual that goes for therapy, so let's say massage, mm-hmm. and your pain goes away and you're good. And you, you become stiff, let's say, every four weeks. And you, you go and you get your, uh, your maintenance. Let's call it your maintenance, right? Like you bring your car in, get the oil changed. Yeah. So that is somebody who is not a chronic pain sufferer. Somebody who is a chronic pain sufferer would go for a massage. They would get a little bit of relief within that time, meaning they have a window of time where they feel better. But then instantly, within a day or two, the pain comes back or their tissues are so rock hard that to, to touch them, they feel like a concrete slab, right? So if you're an individual, those are the two basics that I really look at with chronic pain so that you mm-hmm. know which one is the difference. Now, let's say you're somebody that blew out your ACL, right? You're in football, yeah. you blew an ACL. That is that is classified very differently than somebody who's a chronic pain sufferer, mm-hmm. right? And then you have individuals that will, uh, well, for me, I have individuals that will come in and they, they, they have the chronic pain scenario, but mm-hmm. then it never they never get relief either. So that's the other scenario. Okay. And I want to make sure that I, I bring this out there because a lot of the people that are in chronic pain, these are generally their options. Injections. Mm-hmm. Medications, surgery, and therapy. Right now, or you have ultrasound, or there's a which classifies that as a modality, uh, mm-hmm. which is therapy. Know that you have it built within yourself to heal your own pain. The reason why you don't know this is because you've never been told this. This is not even your in your scope of knowing. And yeah. a lot of people who come in that finally realize that they have the power built within themselves. You can change yourselves just by changing your thought patterns. You can change your nervous system by changing the way you look. Remember the I talked about the lenses that you put on Mm -hmm. just by changing your perceptions and your belief systems and understanding your belief. Why do you believe things the way that you believe them? That's what I deep dive in with my clients because people honestly don't think that they can change the way that they feel or how they feel unsafe. So going back to your original question, I know that in Western society, we have categorized all these different points of pain. But really and truly, you have somebody that's in chronic pain and somebody that has injury, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the person in the middle who they have stiffness and they can't get rid of it. But it's the chronic pain sufferer, the person who always getting up, getting out of bed is a challenge. Um, I remember the sensation of even just moving my head very little it would send jolting electrifying pain up and down wow. the back of my spine and, and it would come up right across my face it was incredible
0: oh that's thank, thank you for answering that uh, i guess um it's again it it matters which lens you see the world from mm-hmm. and i like to give this example to people like probably people who can relate to this are not chronic pain um, sufferers but this is just like a mindset thing where let's say you're you're planning a vacation and like you haven't traveled in a year and now you're going to your favorite destination and you're going with either your partner or your friends or whoever you want to go with and uh, you'll have the most amount of fun with and then you have that one week later so this week you go to the office and now things are stressful and now you're just you know. You're stressed out, you're running, you're angry, but then you step onto the plane and you get into your destination and suddenly your mood is amazing, you're more excited, you're nicer to people, you're talking to people in a, in a different way, you're allowing yourself to be in a different space. But then what is that thing that changed? You're the same person one week before and you're the same person that you were on that vacation. The only thing that changed was the lens that you looked at the world from, and this is very important because this goes right into what Yana was saying—that hey, you have it in you. We mm-hmm. haven't been taught. Sometimes it, we we've just been hearing all these things that yeah, you can, you're the healer, and you don't need anyone else. But no one really believes it. And the moment you start believing it, you mm-hmm. see a very big dimensional shift in. Let's say your health, your finances, your relationships, everything. Because you're taking more responsibility. You're taking more ownership. And with taking more ownership comes realization that everything... I mean, yeah, if you're injured, that's different. But then everything else is not going to... I mean, there's not someone external who's responsible for these things. You can with the will because you need to have the, a strong will as well to change. And then if you invest enough time, enough energy and dedicate yourself to making a change trust me every cell in your body every trillion mitochondria which are like supporting your energy systems will shift to give mm-hmm. you the outcome that you want because at the end of the day your body doesn't want to go through pain the, the physical point of pain your body doesn't want to go through pain your body doesn't want to go through suffering because your body wants to thrive and live and the moment you give yourself a bad, let's say, outcome about the world or like you're telling yourself, oh, I'm tired and I'm sick and things like that, your cells are listening. Guys, we've got trillions and trillions of cells. And when you pass that information, like apart from the mind, you've got mitochondria, you've got different cells, you've got your gut biome, all of these things are working in harmony. And every time you tell yourself like, hey, I'm tired, even if you're not, but if you just wanted to be a princess and you're like, I'm, you know, I'm tired and all of these things, then that is the message that you're giving your cells. And you know what cells do when they're tired? They move towards dying faster. Mm-hmm. What happens when they move towards dying faster is that you lose your energy, you lose your vitality, you lose that life in you that is why you can be 25 years old and not have any pain, but still be miserable. than an 85 year old person who can like, just walk up and be like, let's go to the bar. That is that life change. And it's not that they're blessed. I mean, there are some genetic components to it, but at the end of the day is that perspective. So I'm really, really happy Yana, that. You brought this up on how we look at the world and how the lenses can be different.
1: Very important. Now, it's very important.
0: And, now when people, are, people, when people get hurt or they get through some kind of a pain, right? Especially in our three-dimensional reality, we know that everything has a frequency. So when you measure it, pain has a frequency too.
1: Yes, it
0: does. And what we know from, again, you and me, we both were talking about recent modalities and things like that, that there is always a higher frequency above any frequency that exists maybe not above love and things like that but like these lower frequencies which are like pain suffering there can always be a higher frequency and the moment you tap into that higher frequency you can somewhat alleviate or rise up from your current state what frequency do you think can i mean what frequency do you think stands above pain or what frequency do you tell your clients to tap into when they're feeling some kind of a pain, whether it be mental, physical.
1: I love that you asked us because this, this I've, I have a client's actual experience to give you. Okay. So one of my clients that I work with, she is a photographer and Mm -hmm. she experienced having to go to the chiropractor weekly because of her bad headaches and her shoulder pain. And the moment of what I call it, it's the breakthrough moment. And it's usually around the four-week mark when I'm working with clients. Uh, She was out doing a photo shoot with a client and she was looking through the lens of her camera and the moment that she was witnessing life and the joy that she had working, like her soul's purpose in working with those individuals, that moment of joy, her pain whispered away. So I want to say joy, that state of calm, being at peace. Those are frequencies that are much, much, much higher than pain. Because pain, if you think about it, um, one of the best ways that I talk about it is if you were to take a rubber band and you wrap it around the end of your finger. Mm-hmm. After a while, that, it gets numb and then it starts hurting because you have oxygen deprivation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That frequency is a much, much lower frequency. Feeling anger, feeling rage, resentment, that's a lower frequency emotion versus the joy. Even right now, if you were to feel or think about an, uh, a memory where you feel joy, that puts that smile on your face and it fills your heart space, right? Our, mm-hmm. our, the capacity of our heart ex- extends two feet away from our body, And really start feeling into those emotions. Now, is this easy, guys? I know that this is not. This is why I work with people extensively for for periods of time to be able to help rewire the brain and change the way that you think, why you think the way you think, right? Because people are always asking, what's the why? Why and then the how. So one of the greatest things that I experienced with one of my clients was that, that particular moment of her being able to pluck that out of her day where she was like, This is it. It's being able to feel joy. Because individuals that have been through traumatic experiences. So I'm going to use myself, for example. Mm -hmm. As a child, I didn't allow myself to feel happy, joy, or put a smile on my face. Because if I did, that meant I was a target. Because I would stand out if I smile right when you smile and yeah. you open you go into a room your your orc field extends right people tend mm. to look your way so not smiling not feeling happy not expressing my emotions basically blending in with the furniture was the safest way of living life and then going into my adulthood that was my experience so for me it was allowing myself giving myself permission to feel so that i could be more elevated and allow myself to be happy because individuals who have been through trauma and who have been, you know, and I, I do have to say this trauma is very different for everybody. That doesn't mean their trauma is worse than mine or mine is worse than theirs. It's, there's no scale in that. Everybody owns their own life experiences, but we go through life. And when we've been through those experiences and that's all we know, we don't know how to be happy, how to experience joy, how to be happy or, you know, have that state of peace or calm? How do you calm your nervous system when every single day you're in a war zone, right? There's a bomb going off here. There's a gunshot going off there. There's, you know, stuff being thrown out the window, right? So somebody's nervous system is just begging for them to calm down, but the only thing that they've known is being in fight and flight. So going back to the breath... And actually, before we go back to the breath, I want to make sure that I say this part for science purposes so people understand. Because right now, people sometimes are like, I don't understand how my emotions can create pain. And as I said, pain is a decoy, right? So there's been uh, uh, some scientific uh, proof in relations to When you try to suppress your emotions and you don't want to feel them, what what happens anatomically within the body is your body will temporarily deprive oxygenated blood to certain parts of the body, i.e., muscles, nerves, tissues, not enough to damage them, but enough to cause a whole horrific amount of pain. And this, for myself, I proved in my clinic because people would come in, as I said, I go through the assessment, right? We go through their emotional Mm -hmm. stuff their points would drop around three points. like that's, that, that is pretty dramatic. And then once we had them, we do physical therapy, whether it was reconditioning the muscles, uh, getting them to reactivate, allowing them to release. Then what would happen is they wouldn't have any pain because their muscles relaxed. We got more blood circulating through those muscles. So for individuals out there right now that are suffering with chronic pain, I want you to think about that analogy. Because ultimately... By holding your breath, and here comes going back to the breath, when you hold your breath, when you're in fear, when you're in fight and flight, what's the very first thing we do? (gasps) We hold our breath, our shoulders become earrings, We we have this intense pain that generally comes at the back of the head and it comes up the side of the face and it goes across the face as well. That is from holding your breath. And that's why teaching yourself how to breathe and teaching yourself how to really come back to yourself is one of the most important things.
0: Also, uh, sometimes when people are um, afraid, nervous, or just um, get into that same thing where you said people hold their breaths, there's also mm. a very big possibility where people start over-breathing. Oh,
1: yeah. and this over,
0: Yeah, hyperventilating. And this is also one of those things, guys, where it doesn't take you too long. If you feel like you're being... Um, if you are over breathing, take a minute, calm your breath down, because the more you calm yourself down and take maybe long exhales, some inhales, like she said, four, uh, four, four in, se- eight,
1: eight out. out. Four in, eight that.
0: out. Yeah. And if just, just practice with four in, four out, and then build up to five, because I feel like for some people, eight out um, would be a challenge in the beginning. But you then just still- try it. You-
1: Yeah, you can always do three in and six out.
0: Okay, sticks to the ratio. So Mm -hmm. three in, six out for those of you who have just been introduced to breathwork. Now, let's look at some of the other things. Are you using um, other technologies in your practice like when it comes to PEMF or whether it comes to these different light therapy devices or something like that? That yeah. um, also helps. Okay.
1: No, no, I'm not. Everything that I teach in Pain-Frooted Method is, is unique to myself. Because mm-hmm. what I experienced was when I had gone to therapy, I felt very unsafe. And going to therapy mm-hmm. made, my, it, it made me worse. So I ultimately drove my own train, built my own foundation because mm-hmm. of what my experience was. So everything I do is, is basically what I've taught myself through my own experience mm-hmm. and how to, uh, rewire the brain, how to, you know, not go back to, cause we have go-to emotions, right? This happens. Yeah. I get angry. This happens. I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. This happens. I guess I'm not good enough. Oh, I, another person is show that I'm not, they're not safe to be by. Oh, I can't trust this person. Right. And ultimately mm-hmm. the, the more that you go back to those the more you experience them, the more you see them, the more your egoic brain looks for them, you scan for it every single day. So again, yes, everything that I teach in the pain free method is my own.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. And are you um, recommending any, or let me just ask you, how much of a role does inflammation play when it comes to pain? And they are you ahead. doing anything to modulate, modulate that in terms of supplements or some natural herbs or medicinal compounds?
1: So I always recommend working with a naturopath or a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yes, inflammation does play a big role, but I want you to understand, going back to the sympathetic and parasympathetic mode of the body, when you're in fight and flight all the time and your body is producing astronomical amounts of cortisol, over time that becomes corrosive. And that's essentially Mm -hmm. the beginning of where your inflammation starts. So your roots to calming your inflammation down is getting your nervous system to settle down and not having your brain go to those go-to emotions. Now, like I said, it's easier said than done. That's why Mm -hmm. working with somebody and learning how to retrain your brain is what's most important. Because I will tell you right now, even with individuals, I work with people who have had Crohn's for years, uh, who have ileostomy or colostomies, and Mm -hmm. they have through their whole entire life, been in fight and flight. And it's no wonder why they have Crohn's disease or colitis. Uh, there was one client that I worked with who had uh, colitis and then breast cancer. So our nervous systems and their overproduction of, of mm-hmm. cortisol is plays a major role in inflammation, 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: I ask that question because most of the times when I'm talking to people or consulting people, everyone's like, CJ, please just give me one pill that I can take, which Mm -hmm. can solve all my problems. And I'm like, man, when it comes to pain and inflammation, there is no one pill. I mean, I would be, and if you're listening to this and if you are a supplement manufacturer or someone who has this different business idea, it would be great actually if you can come into the world and produce something which, you know, things like Boswella, curcumin, MSM, cannabinoids, glucosamine, all these lists of things which actually calm down inflammation and sometimes calm down your nervous system would be great. Now, do you recommend things like meditation to your clients?
1: Absolutely. That's one of the biggest things okay. that I teach. So I want to make sure I, I say this. A good diet is... 100% essential. essential such as oxygen. So hmm. having a good nutritional lifestyle is, is 100% important. But you can eat all the green leafies that you want, all the beautiful turmeric, carrots, you name it. If hmm. you're eating and you're in the seat of anger 24-7, you are yeah, taking that food and it's becoming corrosive in your body because... I want people to understand when you're in fight and flight, what happens is the signal from the brain for the hypothalamus goes down the vagus nerve and it goes down to your adrenals and it hits the adrenals and the adrenals uh, secrete cortisol. Your pupils will shrink or pardon me, your pupils dilate your blood then gets Mm -hmm. shunted from the core of your body. So think about your digestive system, not having blood to digest food because it goes to your arms and legs because you need the blood there so that you can run for your life. But in our day and age, run for your life is, is running from our phone that we compare E-mails. ourselves. Yes. Or uh, or overworking or right? Because it maybe yeah. you become a workaholic, which was one of my key things that I did going into my twenties. The more that I worked, the more I was enough, the more I worked, I, I did better, I mm-hmm. was good enough, right? So there's many facets of this. And yes, I believe that people want an all one pill, but wouldn't it be lovely to know that you have it built inside of you? You don't have to have a lifetime of pills behind you. And I know that here in Canada, CPD CPD oil is highly used and it's regulated here. But I'm not a person that recommends any, it's great to use supplements, but I'm telling you right now, everything that you have is built within your body. And the only thing that's holding you back is what you believe about yourself and your body. And you already talked about the mitochondria and cells. And basically, right now, as we're talking, CJ, we all have a thousand cells that are dying and a a thousand new cells that are being created. And those old cells are communicating to the new cells, going, Yeah, make sure you feel a little insecure. Oh, yep. Shane's there too. Make sure. right? They pass everything on from one cell to the other when it's dying. So everything that you think, believe, perceive, ultimately becomes your personality and that you live on a day-to-day basis. No wonder why people are not feeling well. And no wonder why people have such chronic pain.
0: Have you looked into multi-generational trauma or yes. the research body around it?
1: Yes. So it goes back 15, it can go back up to 15 generations and probably even mm-hmm. more. We just haven't, we haven't figured received or, or figured it out yet. So what, so what CJ speaking about is what my mother has gone through, what my mother's mother has gone through, what her mother' mother has gone through is all alive in my cells right now. So for example, there's been some beautiful studies on individuals who have gone through the holocaust and mm-hmm. their children's children's children so ultimately like their grandchildren they they don't understand why they have this inkling to uh to overeat for example or they uh they hoard is the better way of saying like hoarding food and there's nothing wrong with having you know a pack of stuff in the basement i have a cellar i i store food but there's been studies where people overly abundant store stuff Mm -hmm. and never understood why they did that was because they have that generational link to being basically starved to death and they don't understand why they would, why would they feel this way? Why do they feel and say, why do they feel like they have to hide and eat? Right. Just for example, well, if you think about it, if you, you are your, one of your family members is a survivor from the Holocaust, that's more than likely why. So I'm really glad that you asked that. So you have to take in consideration as well your multi-generations of emotions and traumatic events and experiences. But that doesn't mean you own them. That's the other thing too. You don't own them. What you do own is recognizing how you feel, allowing yourself to feel, and then changing to the way you ultimately want to feel. And again, I already know people that are listening to this and that are watching Are thinking to themselves, easier said than done, Yana. Believe me, every day is a beautiful art piece, ready to step into it. And you can either walk in and start painting, or you can ditch the painting, right?
0: True. You have the choice. And this is one, yeah. This is one other thing that um, always keeps coming up. That sometimes everyone who's listening there are visible and for the most part of it are invisible factors that play a large role in how you are how you're behaving and if there's something that's not right and you wanted to fix it but chances are nine out of ten times your ego will tell you that oh you've got it all under control and you can solve it and you can figure it out because we are always trying to be the hero in others like we're trying to live the hero's journey in whether it be our lives or other people's lives but the reality is that sometimes things are beyond your control and it's all right because you're not meant to have all the answers you have to give yourself that permission to say i don't know and that's okay because i'm not meant to know everything it's not going to be like my neighbors are going to look down on me if i don't know anything or i won't be able to um stand in front of my partner if i said i didn't know something correct but that is the time you need like i mentioned in the beginning of the show you need help and the best way to do that is just to ask for it there's no a lot of people feel embarrassed a lot of people feel ashamed there could be um, the feelings of not being worthy or good enough Mm -hmm. but this is why i wanted to bring all of these things together and this is why i have hyana on the show today because it is extremely important that a person who's not who's not living in your emotions who's not living in your reality or in your past or in your future looks at this in a very professional way in a very in a way which is linked to previous experiences to science to all the evidence that we have right now and figures this out for you because you're not meant to do it and you chances are, if you try to do it, you're, you're going to suck at it. Like, I don't want to... <laughs> this is just plain reality. So, Yana, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing, all the healing that you've brought to the world. And this is why I wanted to share this episode with everyone because sharing in, in itself is healing. And try that. Share things with others and you'll see that the healing process automatically happens to yourself. Now, Yana... If you had a time machine and you could go back, you can choose ten, five, fifteen 15 years. And then you could tell yourself that one piece of advice, information, something, what would that be?
1: Oh goodness. I, I know it's so funny and I'm, I don't know as though I'd go back. You want to know why Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade any experience, whether it's been traumatic or blissful not for one moment because I've grown into who I'm supposed to be and what my journey is and okay. if I were to go back and change it with advice I wouldn't be who mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be here with you now but mm-hmm. for the sake of others being in their 20s and if you are in chronic pain and you are young like I was and suffering for mm-hmm. so long become aware Become aware of what your ego is not surrendering to your soul. Become aware of what emotions you're not allowing yourself to feel. Because emotions are your allies. They're not your enemy. And when you understand that, you you allow yourself and you give yourself permission to, to live a more calm and peaceful life. Because even for me, when I go back on my journals, the one thing that I always wished as a child, a teenager, and in my 20s, was that I felt more peace. That I felt peace, and because I never did feel peace. Not more peace, I just did not feel peace at all. And all I wished was for more peace. And when you become more connected to your emotions, you become more connected to yourself. You, you, mm-hmm. you find your answers within yourself instead of outside of yourself.
0: That is one of the most difficult things to do, but it is true finding all the answers that you're looking for there is no pill there is there are things that can help you experience some things just a tiny bit but the majority of the fraction will happen when you know you ask yourself and the answer comes from within and the solution comes from within so it is a bit hard but again if it's not hard then it's boring so i want everyone to (laughs) just work on that get your information and I really love the fact that, you know, you said, if you had to go back, you couldn't change anything. I, I was thinking you'd probably give me an answer like, oh, I wish I could have go buy, bought some bitcoins when it was cheap and things like that. But all right, I'll take that for an answer. <laughs> 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 but, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. you being on the show, sharing all this knowledge, wisdom, experiences and sharing your true self and your life and what's how you have reached to this stage where you're healing others. I really appreciate you being on the show. And if people want to find you, what's the best way? I know you mentioned your website. Is there any other resources that you would like to lead people on to?
1: Yes. Yes, there is. So definitely the website because there's a bunch of freebies in there. There is the 4 Second Mm -hmm. Freedom Breath and Cracking the Pain Code. I'm also on... Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I highly recommend both of those because there's a video, ladies and gentlemen, for teaching you the tapping technique, so you don't actually have to count. So you can focus on your breathing and tapping. Mm -hmm. And I'm on Instagram under Pain Freedom Method, uh, as well as on Facebook. And in Facebook, I have a private uh, support community, Pain Freedom Method group. You're more than welcome to join. It's free, and it's been very, very, very comforting for many because it's their safe haven. And I go in there, and I often give free information, and I do lives, and I do walkthroughs, and so that's free to you guys.
0: Just looking at that right now, pain freedom method. Yes, Tim method. Right, everybody. I am being a part of this group, and if you're not, you're missing out. But thank you, Yana. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I wish you a great day ahead of you.
1: You as well. Thank you so much, CJ. Have the most amazing day ever.
0: Thank you. And for all of you listeners out there, I hope you found tons of information because I did. I got to learn so much. And this is me signing out from shiftwithcj.com. You guys have an energetic day, a month, a year, a lifetime. Take care, guys.